Welcome back. You are listening to Three Makes Baby with me, your host, Jana Rupnow, the author of Three Makes Baby and a fertility counselor specializing in alternate family building. I am back with an update with two previous guests that have been on the show. If you've been listening for a while, then you know I interview parents that are struggling with infertility and donor-conceived adults talking about their experience being donor-conceived. So after a short break in February, I'm going to wrap up this season with an update from two of our previous guests. One, a donor-conceived individual from the UK looking for her donor, and two, a known donor in the US and her donation journey. And finally, I am excited to share with you that I will be continuing on with the podcast in a slightly different format. I'm going to be offering parent education for those of you that have um, a child in a different way through adoption, donor conception, through surrogacy, or gestational carrier. And I will also be getting into a little bit more of infertility related information and how certain personalities and different personality types cope with infertility. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast and watch on my social media platforms for announcements about the new content. That is going to be at Jana Rupnow LPC. You're listening to Three Makes Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Rupnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. Nikita, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And you? It, I'm so good. It's so good to talk to you. You know, our my podcast started with you. It was episode number one. Yeah, it's great to be back to speaking, speaking with you. Yeah, I'm going to take a break and your episode will be the last. So you're the alpha and the omega. And it's going to be like this full circle. And I'm just a huge fan of a full circle kind of thing. So I was thinking about you the other night as preparing for this and remembering our interview and how many unknowns that you had at the time, not knowing anything, you know, you were doing your dissertation or a project, I think in university and trying to search for Mm -hmm. your biological father. And for anybody who hasn't listened to that very first episode, go back and listen to that. And this will be the the part two or the follow-up to that. And I'm anxious too, because I haven't heard this. So listeners, you get to hear this as I get to hear this for the first time. So I can't wait, you know, fill us in on what's happened since that episode in your life. Yeah. So um, I wrote my dissertation. It was entitled Finding My Donor in 30 Days, Can Art Practices and Creative Thinking Assist an Individual in Finding Their Biological Family? And it was a 3,000 word dissertation um, mm. along with practical artwork. Um, and I put it all together in a little book and put the work out on social media, some of it. Um, and I had quite a good response. It was great to make work about um, something so personal. And yes. my people, uh, fellow students at university, really were interested in finding more out about it because they weren't really educated on it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that it helped raise awareness about donor conception. And, you know, you went, I know I checked in with you several times over this past year. And I know for a while there was just nothing, no new information at all turning up. But remind us what you did to find your donor. 
Yeah, um, so I did a few things as part of my uni project. Um, I went out and gave cards out to the public, um, sending them to a social media page um, that was about my donor in the hope that somebody would go onto it and maybe um, know the donor himself. But unfortunately, um, I didn't manage to find him after the 30 days, but it was still really good to um, experiment with it and see where it led. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you, even though you weren't able to find him in 30 days, were you able to find anything, even just a clue in those 30 days? Um, It took a bit uh, more than that. I didn't really find out anything new. Um, It was just more so hearing from the public about um, their views on it. And they were quite interested to see what I was doing and to learn about my experiences Mm -hmm. so far. Mm, I'm sorry you weren't able to find anything. I was so hopeful. Did you have any false leads from the public? Um, So I had um, a girl contact me on Facebook through the social media page I created um, called Beatrice. And she sent me a message because she'd seen the the social media posts I'd put out and she thought that she'd found a sibling for me. But it wasn't actually a sibling. It was just my post that I'd made from the... um, social media page I'd created and because my information matched um obviously mine she thought it was a sibling but it was just me like the post I'd made myself oh, wow. um, <laughs> so I got talking to her um she's done conceived as well so we were just sharing our experiences and I'd realized that I'd been speaking to um some another girl called Jazz who had the same donor information as she had so mm-hmm. I'd been speaking to Jazz for one of my uni projects um and I remembered the thing she told me about her donor and this girl that contacted me, Beatrice, she had the same donor information as Jazz. Mm. So I said, um, I've been speaking to a girl from my uni project who's got basically the same donor info as you. I think it might be one of your siblings. So I put them in touch and it found it was actually that they were half siblings. So I helped them oh, find one another. Wow. Yeah, That's... so it was nice to have that come from it. That is unbelievable. So that happened back in May and you got to connect them, but for you still no no information at all? I was speaking to Jazz, who was one of the girls I connected, um, and she she was obviously really thankful. So um, she was offering to help me. Um, she's got Ancestry subscriptions, so she was saying, if you want me to check any records or anything, she'd happily do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went on to Ancestry, um, just got together a few things I'd like to check for me um and then I thought oh I'll check my 23andMe account as well because Mm -hmm. I do check them both on a regular basis Mm -hmm. um just not expecting anything and then when I went on my 23andMe account um I had a half sibling match so that was just a huge shock yeah wow (laughs) that was the first time in um I think I've been on there about three or four years wow and what did you do with that information um so I'd got a message from her um she'd sent it three days before so she'd actually got her results back three days before but I hadn't seen it um and she'd sent me a message just saying that she saw that we were half siblings so she'd like to introduce herself Mm. um and I wasn't sure if she knew she was donor conceived or not so I was a bit hesitant how to um respond to it Mm -hmm. um but it turned out she she did know so that was quite lucky Wow. So now that gave you another piece of information, which was, I know we were wondering at the time, 
did he donate just one time or did he donate multiple times? So now, you know, it, he donated a couple of times, at least a few times. Yeah. Um, and then it worked out really great as well. Um, she told me that um, they, she, we've got a half brother as well because um, she was born into a same sex family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of their moms had her and the other mom had um, the boy um, using the same donor. So even though I'd only DNA matched with her, I've actually got a half brother oh, wow. as well that she's grown up with. Uh-huh. That's so, cool. so we've all got the same donor, yeah. Now, did they get the same donor information, profile information about you? I know because your donor was, oh, you thought maybe well, he was older and you wondered if it was a mistake, like a typo, or if it was accurate. Did they get the same age on your donor? Um, so our information was slightly different, but mm-hmm. her information didn't have a year of birth, whereas mine did. So mm-hmm. mine said that he was born in 1949 which makes him just over 70. Mm -hmm. Um, But she didn't know the age at all, so that was something new to tell her. Mm. Um, And there was a few things she had that I didn't have. So she had his blood group and um, nationality, which was Spanish. Mm. But I've never known his nationality at all. I didn't have that on my documents. So that Mm. was something new and quite a shock to discover, really. Really? Because you were thinking something else, right? Yeah, so I was thinking maybe Cuban because a lot yeah. of my DNA matches are Cuban. Um, mm-hmm. But we're still a bit uncertain about that. We think maybe the yeah. donor had like one Spanish parent and one Cuban parent or something. We're not too sure. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. And information, you know, the information that you received, we've talked about that. We're not sure if it was accurate or, you know, but it's kind of good that you can put these pieces of the puzzle together. You're starting to put it together. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of the same information. So like his interests and what he'd wrote about himself were exactly the same. So we know for definite Good. now that's, that's yeah. all correct. Yeah. How does that make you feel? I mean, in general? Um, yeah, it's nice to know for definite because I suppose there's always a worry and um, whether they're like lied about their um, interests or job or anything. And it's mm-hmm. nice to have somebody else be able to confirm that, that that's probably the case. Mm-hmm. So you know a bit more about them that, it's more than likely um, correct information. Yeah. And it's important for those that are listening to know that what, um, you might be wondering why that matters. Um, it, but it's, it matters because no matter, you know, some people do it more than others, but we all have, you know, we form ideas, thoughts in our mind of with it, the information we're given. And if we're forming a concept around a person that's inaccurate, it feels, it makes you feel unsettled. It makes you feel like, am I dreaming? Is this real? There's this, we call it the fantasy parent. Um, because it is, it's very unsettling to, to not know what's real and what's made up. And when you get that more factual information, that just makes you feel for lack of a better way, like word, like more grounded, um, with that. Yeah. So uh, that's why I encourage parents to get as much information as they can when they're choosing a donor or going through donation conception, just get as much information as you possibly can to give to your child. Yeah. It's so good to have something, um, just to form sort of a visual image of what it might be like. So I think if I had no information, it would be a real shame because 
I just wouldn't know like where my certain interests come from or physical appearance it's nice to be able to put that to something it so is it's concrete um I don't know if you saw my recent post on Instagram about the fantasy parent but you know it's very common for kids to engage in magical thinking when you know imagination and as we grow we learn the difference between reality and non-reality and when so as a child is going through these stages especially in the magical thinking stage if you know you're donor conceived or adopted you're gonna form an idea of a of a parent of or of a you know of a genetic uh genetic mother genetic father donor you're gonna form that concept and so then as you age you really want it to get to become more concrete yeah. and as you move out of magical thinking and into more you know realistic or even fantasies still are very much part of adult life but um less so yeah there was um there was one thing that um was different on our paperwork that we're still a bit unsure of um was his eye color so on my information it says that his eyes were um hazel but on her information it says blue and it's quite interesting because um she's got really bright blue eyes um but her biological mom has got brown and our um half brother has got brown um so we're not sure like if that's from the donor or not because mine obviously says different so there's been an error somewhere whoever's recorded that information so it could be yeah either way you never know you never know yeah. if it's an error or if it was an error that was or if it was a technique <laughs> to try to um, hide information even deeper and confuse information. Yeah. I don't want to be the suspicious type, but you know, you never know. I've seen, yeah. I've seen some things. I just, I'm, I'm beyond excited to hear this. I just think that's, I'm so happy for you because you get something, you know, and it's, it's yeah. starting. I hope you can get, continue to get more. Um, mm -hmm. Cause I bet you there's more out there. What do you think, what could we say or share on this program that would help maybe anybody that's listening out there that could have some information for you, we could share about the donor donors traits and the time he yeah. was born and see if we can mm -hmm. tell us about so, your donor at the least information you were given. In yeah. Um, so he was born in 1949. Um, his nationality was Spanish Um had dark brown hair, uh, medium skin tone, either hazel or blue eyes. Um, his job was an electronic engineer. Um, he was interested in science and sports, mainly um, computer science. Um, and his statements said that he was um, good looking, photogenic, um, enjoyed sports, was always busy and always happy. Mm. Um, and I do um, know, obviously, I was conceived at the British Pregnancy Advisory Service on Charlotte Street in London. Okay. And so was my um, half sister. But um, our half-brother was conceived at the London Women's Clinic. So we found out that when our clinic closed, the one on Charlotte Street, um, the donors started donating to the London Women's Clinic instead. Mm -hmm. So that's more than likely where my other half-siblings would have been conceived. Have, is it possible that there was a physician at the time or a medical student that was donating? Um, I'm not sure. Um, he would have been a lot older when he donated, um, probably about late forties. I've met uh, people that have were conceived with their 
other mom's doctor and didn't know it? All right. Um, no, not as far as I know. Um, we haven't found out anything that leads to that. Um, just right. that he would have been a lot older when he donated. Yeah. And one thing that my half sister did mention was um, a few things her parents remember the um, nurses telling her about the donor and said that he was always like really happy and friendly and um, apparently had a really big family and um, just wanted to help um, couples conceive and to extend his family and give them something that like he's obviously a family man so something that he had so it seems like if he did say that to the nurses that it was done for good reason yeah that's good that helps that was really nice to know yeah Absolutely. And did, but none of his relatives have showed up on your 23andMe. No, the um, highest one I have is a third cousin. Mm-hmm. So it's quite um, tricky to be able to track it back. I've made a lot of family trees, which mm-hmm. is quite um, time consuming, but yeah, I haven't I really got anywhere yet. Yeah. Well, it just seems as DNA testing becomes more popular and more common that somebody will pop up and that maybe you'll get some answers down the line. Yeah, I mean, I never expected to um, get a donor-conceived sibling to DNA test on the site. So I think anything's possible, really. It could come up in a few years. You never know. Yeah. Do you share tra- traits with your half-siblings? Um, Kind of, yeah. Um, I can definitely see a physical resemblance with them both. Um, obviously I've always thought I look a lot like the donor because I don't resemble my, um, mom at all or anybody in my family. Um, so it was really nice to see so much physical resemblance in these two siblings. Um, so we, we have like similar eye shapes, um, face shape, um, we've all got quite thick lips and like, um, tiny noses and we're like, yeah, we've all got similar physical traits. Wow, that's so cool. I'd love to see a picture. You can send it privately to me <laughs> if she doesn't mind. Yeah. So, no. Oh, that's yeah, so awesome. I've, I've showed quite a few people and they've all said they can see um, a resemblance. Oh, wow. So that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that is so good. Well, I'm so happy to hear from you. Is there anything else that you want to share? Um. I'd say um, maybe about my artwork um, because I was going to share that. Yeah, I've got um, a YouTube channel which is called Nikita True Art. Um, I've got two of my videos I made for a project on there and then my Instagram is also Nikita True Art which I'll be putting up all the pieces I made about donor conception. I'll be posting those. Oh, I love it. I know you were yeah. sharing about how your art has really helped you to process the emotions around being donor conceived. And I think that's so powerful. You know, um, we, we try to explain it in posts. And to me, that's the hardest way to deal with donor conception is a, it can be misconstrued and misunderstood. Podcast is the, you know, as I do podcasts to try to avoid some of those misunderstandings. And then, but art, art is everything because it's really, you take your feelings and emotions and then it's up to the person to, to see the things that you've put there. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful way to, to communicate. Uh, One of the things I noticed when I was doing my artist research was that there's not really any artists that I've come across that deal with donor conception. So it's Mm -hmm. something that I don't think is a topic that's really out there in the arts. No, 
Absolutely. I, I totally agree. Well, it was fantastic. Well, it was so great having you back. And uh, yeah, we'll, we will end this podcast with, with your really amazing story and know that this is not the end that for you, that this is just the beginning of, of more yeah, to come. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow for more content, you can go to my Instagram and Facebook account at Jana Repnow LPC or follow Three Makes Baby on Instagram. You can get a copy of my book and the companion workbook to Three Makes Baby on Amazon. If you like this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe. Have a great day.